Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. This is our series in the Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael and the subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 6 through chapter 5, verse 1, called Behold, the Bridegroom is Coming. You can see that Solomon has provided a really cool limousine to pick her up. When you get married, don't pull up in your beater car that's smoking. (laughs) Mom and dad of the bride are not going to be impressed. Now, let me just say that we all start somewhere, right? You're probably not going to pull up in a Porsche. If you did, you probably came from money, right? We all start somewhere, but we need to provide for our bride. In fact, the New Testament says that those who don't provide for their own, listen, have denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. Now, when we all get married, for those of you, some of you have the gift of singleness. Some of you may be widowed or widowers. And I would encourage you to find refuge in the spiritual application here. Or maybe even there may be a future spouse for you. But when we get married, we we all start at ground zero, right? And we, we do the best that we can do to build a life. I had a, a wise man once tell me, Michael, you're going to make more money as you get older and you'll be, you'll be more stable. And that's been true. And I will just say this, the enemy of this kind of life is laziness. So don't be lazy. If you're a man listening to my voice, your job is to provide for your family. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to provide everything. Sometimes it's a dual income household and all of that. But I'm just saying that this is a call to provide. And obviously Solomon's got a lot to give, right? I mean, he's a wealthy man. He's a well-to-do man. And he also is giving her protection. I've been told by many, many women over the years that safety and security are a huge part of a woman's uh, feeling at peace with a man. So we do our best to supply protection, an environment where a woman feels safe. And it's more than just that you have a weapon, You can see that these guys are all carrying swords. At Shane's wedding, they all had guns. So that's one option. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't know. But at least I didn't know if they did. But but here's the thing. I think the, the principle is to provide a place of safety. And I mean safety also from you. Don't be a jerk to your spouse. Don't make them feel like they're walking on eggshells and they never know where they stand with you from moment to moment, day to day. That's unfair and that's not what you committed to. So you do your best to come into the the relationship and into that love with all the fruits of the Spirit. So King Solomon has come and it's impressive. King Solomon is identified in verse 9. He has made for himself a sedan chair. Some believe that this could be translated a mercy seat, which is quite interesting. Out of the finest wood, that's the timber of Lebanon. There's no better than the timbers of Lebanon. And some believe that you can see a picture of the cross here. 
Uh, in verse 10, it says, he made its post of silver, still dealing with the carriage, its back of gold, you can see gold is included, and its seat of purple. Purple is a garment of royalty, but it also speaks of the blood of Christ. In the gospel, it's purple fabric with its interior, and it's lovingly fitted out or inlaid with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. Now, the daughters of Jerusalem are another voice in the Song of Songs, and they're kind of like the bridesmaids. And they've contributed to the vehicle uh, where he will pick her up and they will enjoy the ride to the wedding and, and all of that. And it's been inlaid with love. Love is what holds everything together. The limo can be nice, but if it's void of love, it means nothing. Love holds everything together. You could have very little, but if you have love, you have everything. You could have the nicest things that life have to offer, but if it's void of love, you are nothing. 1 Corinthians 13. And it means nothing. But with love, it means everything. Love is what holds it all together. And so the principle here is the bridegroom is Providing, protecting, building security, etc. There was a, at the turn of the century, I think it was around the year 2000, the best selling book in Amazon.com's marriage category was How to Write Your Own Premarital Agreement. It's a, it's a book on prenuptial contracts. A publicist at Source Books, where they hang congratulatory plaques, said, Kind of funny, isn't it? We put out all these books on love and marriage and the best seller is how to write a prenup agreement. And so the bride speaks and she says, go forth, O daughters of Zion. I think this is another way to say the daughters of Jerusalem, the bridesmaids, if you will. Zion is a name, another name for Jerusalem. And she says, gaze on King Solomon with the crown with which his mother has crowned him. That may be Bathsheba. On the day of his wedding and on the day of his gladness of heart. Now she tells the bridesmaids, look at him. <laughs> He's all mine and I am his, but I want you to gaze on him. She's proud of him. She's proud of who he is. Mom's been involved, and you all know how moms get involved on the wedding day. Uh, yeah, we won't even go there. But anyway, she's been involved uh, with the making of the crown. And that means she, her, she's endorsing this union. She believes that it is right and good and true. And they are looking at Solomon, gazing at him. According to rabbinic tradition, crowns were worn by the bridegroom and the bride up until the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. They would be seen as the king and queen of the day. And when Adam and Eve were first made, they were supposed to be king and queen of the earth to rule over it, have authority over all the species. And so you can see second coming imagery in all of this. When Jesus comes for his bride, he's coming with all the angels in rapid fire. Matthew 24, 30 and 31. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. All the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels, his groomsmen, if you will, with a great trumpet, they will gather together his elect, his bride, from the four winds, 
from one end of the sky to the other. In Matthew 26, 64, Jesus said to him, you've said it for yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you hereafter, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then this is Matthew 25, 31 through 34, the words of Jesus. He's done a wedding parable. And then he says these words, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Second Thessalonians 1.10 puts it this way. When Jesus comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, and to be marveled at or to be admired among all who have believed, 2 Thessalonians 1.10. When the Lord comes, he's going to come as the king in wedding imagery, and we are going to gaze upon him, much like Solomon is being gazed upon by the wedding party here. And we are going to, probably, it's going to be hard to turn our eyes away. Because the king's coming in glory and he paid our ransom price. He paid the dowry for us. Isaiah 62, 5 rounds it out. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Isaiah 62, 5. Now that is the beautiful wedding, second coming imagery leading up to the moment when he arrives and meets her face to face or eye to eye. Now we're going to get into a uh, relational uh, moment here where it does get very intimate. And notice what he says. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling, how beautiful you are. He starts with her eyes. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats that have descended from Mount Gilead. Now we have uh, special greeting cards we've made today for you. For e- three easy payments of nineteen ninety nine, it will say, your hair, honey, is like a flock of goats coming down the mountain. It's going to earn you huge brownie points, right? Now, you're saying, well, what, what does this mean? Well, eyes like doves, uh, the dove was seen as pure and innocent and gentle and beautiful. And so he's saying, honey, your eyes are beautiful. When, when it says her hair is like a flock of goats descending from the mountains, it means that she has let her hair down. This is leading into the wedding night now, the moment of consummation. And it's a provocative statement in, the, in this time to let one's hair down. She would have a veil on. She would be, be prepared for the, the wedding. But when she let her hair down, it was a sign that they were going to be close and intimate. He says, your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn ewes, which have come up from their washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost her young. She has all her teeth, (laughs) and they are white, and she brushed her teeth before the wedding. And all God's people said, yes, amen, right? Not one of them is missing means that she doesn't look like a hockey player. Right now, in the ancient world, we have to understand that they didn't have cosmetic dentistry. They didn't have, you know, the knowledge about fluoride and all of that. 
you know, if we get a tooth knocked out, we can go and get it fixed and it, it looks relatively good. In the ancient world, if you lost a tooth, it was gone. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Now back to the Walk in Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for younger children. Here's Pastor Michael. Now, in the ancient world, we have to understand that they didn't have cosmetic dentistry. They didn't have, you know, the knowledge about fluoride and all of that. You know, if we get a tooth knocked out, we can go and get it fixed and it it looks relatively good. In the ancient world, if you lost a tooth, it was gone. So he's celebrating that when she smiled, they were all there. (laughs) And they were pearly white. And all God's people said, yeah, amen. Your lips are like a scarlet thread. It means her, the form of her lips are beautiful and red. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples, it could be her cheeks here, are like a slice of pomegranate behind your veil. She's got the veil on, but he can see her eyes and her rosy cheeks. She's prepared herself for that day. And then he says, your neck is like the Tower of David built with rows of stones on which are hung a thousand shields all the round shields of the mighty men. Now, I'm not sure that you husbands should go home and call your wife's neck the Tower of David or compare her to a newly shorn sheep or anything like that. These are ancient metaphors, but what he's saying is that her neck that has necklaces on it and beads and columns, a dress for the wedding day is beautiful, but she's a dignified woman. When she walks, she walks with an erectness of dignity. There's a, there's a moral beauty about her. She has saved herself for the day of the wedding, and she's morally beautiful. And you know what? The only description that we have of this woman is that she has dark skin because of the sun. There's no other physical description, but we know that she's beautiful through his eyes. And gentlemen, I will just say this to you, that we need to tell our brides they're beautiful. And we're going to see that. We see that in verse one. We'll see that in verse seven. He says, you are altogether beautiful. See, our, our wives need constant reinforcement in our world of their beauty because there's a lot of pressure, right? The magazines, the, the television shows, etc. It's a lot. It's a phony world out there, but it does put undue pressure on people. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So you can see that the the section, he's celebrating her beauty. Behold how beautiful you are. 
Solomon began with the most important sex organ we have, the mind. This writer says, women are verbal creatures. Many have issues, many men have issues in this area of being verbal. They are moved by what they hear and by what they feel, says Nelson. A man, a man must learn to touch her heart through her ear. Very important, gentlemen. Just because you thought something doesn't mean that you've spoken it. If she walks down the stairs and she looks lovely, tell her. Tell her extra. It doesn't hurt to say it one extra time than not to say it at all. <laughs> Amen? You guys out there? Okay, yeah. Let no unwholesome speech proceed from your mouth, Ephesians 4.29. But only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. We need to give as much grace as we can to those around us. They need to hear it from us. Reassurance from us. You're beautiful. We might need to uh, offer some classes on edification, don't you think? Because sometimes we just fall short in those areas. And so he has come. They have met. There's a beauty in her. And he's moving now down her body from her face. And he mentions her breasts. He says, your two breasts are like two fawns. Twins of a gazelle which feed among the lilies. He's not afraid to comment on her body, but he does it in a decent, beautiful way. Two baby fawns are twins, young, soft, delicate, etc. He's, ex- he's excited to experience her body. This is Proverbs five eighteen. It says these words, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. Listen. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. So once you have committed to a person, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7 that their body belongs to you and your body belongs to them. And it's important to know that you can enjoy one another's bodies inside the covenant of marriage. God has said it, and he blesses it, and it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's something that he designed. And if you celebrate that intimacy within the, the marriage bed, God blesses it. Purity and pleasure, this may shock you, go together. Purity and pleasure go together. When you do things right, your pleasure gets higher. They've done all these surveys of people who live together and they say, oh, how can I really know if, you know, we, uh, we, we've got it, you know, clicking unless we live together. And all the surveys come back over the last three decades that people who have lived together prior uh, to their marriage covenant and have had uh, sexual relations. There's more abuse. There's more divorce. It just doesn't go well. Now, the Bible told us that a long time ago, but we think we're smarter than God. So I would just tell you, don't live with someone before you have a commitment because you're playing like you're married and you're not married and you have no covenant and you have no blessing from God and you're going to get everything that goes with it. God will not bless it. Now, I will say this to you. Many of us have done it the wrong way, right? And we learned and and we had to grow and we had to start over in Christ. And his mercies are new every morning and every evening. You can start again in Christ. 
But if you know what you know right now, then don't do it the wrong way. You've been listening to Behold, the Bridegroom is Coming, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 6 to chapter 5, verse 1. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And could you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then our hope is they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you're rejoicing that the Song of Solomon is an airing on Walk in Truth on your radio station via podcast, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm so glad, finally, someone's talking about sex and marriage. Maybe you would say, my spouse doesn't even want to go there. They don't want to talk about it. We lack communication in this area. It's like uh, this silent, suffering that we go through. We're on different pages. I don't understand him. He doesn't understand me. I don't understand her, etc. What do we do? How do we open up about a sexual relationship? Since it's God's plan for marriage, what do I do? I think we would all say that this is probably not subject matter that is easy to talk about in most marriages. Because there's areas of vulnerability and sometimes there's silent frustrations. What do we do? How can we talk about it? And how can I talk about it without hurting the one that I love? Well, if you have a a pastor that you could reach out to as a couple, that might be a place to start. Maybe a trusted seasoned believer, Christian counselor, perhaps any wise seasoned couple could probably help. Might be a little awkward to broach it. But maybe even before going there, you might say, honey, can we just talk? Here's where I'm at. And if you speak in the truth and love, um, I think your spouse wanting to love you would be open and receptive. Pray before you talk. Let them know what you want to talk about. Hey, can we have this talk? When would be a good time? And If you don't talk about it, nothing's going to be resolved. We know that for sure. Um, We can't read each other's minds, etc. So I would encourage you to do that today. And the best place for that is the local church or your small group leader or something like that. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and we have been going through the Song of Solomon. Yes, it's actually in our Bibles. (laughs) And we've been talking about marriage and intimacy, some of these topics that don't probably get enough attention in the Christian church. But that's why we're teaching through the Song of Solomon. And I want to invite you, if you don't have a place to worship on Sunday that you call home, and you're anywhere near the Inland Empire, I happen to have the privilege of being one of the pastors at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, serve as senior pastor. The teaching that you're hearing on the radio, if you've been listening for a long time, comes from the pulpit of Living Truth. We're in Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. We have three services that happen on Sunday morning, two of which I have the privilege of typically teaching, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. 
We have a Spanish service at 1 p.m. We have Sunday school for the kids. We have a youth group that happens at the second service at 1030. We have a lot going on with men's and women's studies, conferences, so many different things. Um, and if you're out of the area and you'd like to join us via live stream, you can find us on YouTube or you can just go to walkintruth.com and click on the YouTube from there, walkintruth.com. It is always our heart's desire to say at the end of each week, I pray that you're in fellowship with your local church, serving the Lord, glorifying him, using your gifts in his service, part of the body, part of corporate worship. Um, what, what a blessing it is to be together with the family of God. Don't miss out, if at all possible, if you can make it, get plugged in. And if you need somewhere to go in the Inland Empire, come out to Living Truth in the city of Corona. Just go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab and you can find out where we are. We're in the northern end of Corona off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Walkintruth.com. Don't forget, click on that church tab. Have a great weekend. Lord willing, we'll see you here Monday. And as always, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with some of the -the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for just $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter three, verse six, to chapter five, verse one, called Behold, the Bridegroom is Coming. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.